the fantasy football podcast and the sports gambling podcast now presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds in every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PixWise. PixWise is the number one app for free sports betting picks, props, and parlays. Download the free PixWise app now to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by OddsCrowd. Are you the best football better in the U.S.? OddsCrowd challenges you to prove it with their free-to-play fantasy betting contest. OddsCrowd gives away hundreds of dollars in weekly contests, including the $100 SGP exclusive free roll contest. And of course, don't forget the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host for the show, Scott Reichel, and joining me is fellow SGPN contributor Terrell Furman Jr., and together we are doing whatever we can to not watch the Giants-Washington game that's taking place right now. But we all know that besides that game, a lot of people are still sweating out some Week 2 fantasy football lineup stuff, so we figured we might as well help you out. But... We're not going to give you the obvious, you know, you should start Kyler Murray advice. Instead, we're going to give you some very, very deep sleepers in some matchups and tell you who might be able to provide you a bit of an edge if you're in a serious, let's say, grind in week two. But now it's time to bring in my co-host. Terrell, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on? Little does Scott know, I have the game on the side, on my phone, just kind of waiting to see what happens. You know I'm an avid Giants fan, so hopefully we keep it. Keep it going. We're up 10-7 right now, but I'm nervous, super nervous right now. Well, I know Washington's driving. I saw a couple of brutal injuries to the offensive line, so we'll see how that impacts going forward. Yep. Overall, though, with the Giants, you're about a game and a half through. How you feeling? I feel all right. I think Daniel Jones has – he's not throwing the ball to perfect, but he's not out there just throwing willy-nilly and giving the ball away. So I like that. Just be a game manager. Keep us in the league. I saw that he actually slid on a run before, so maybe that'll limit the fumbling <laughs> issues, but we'll see. Anyway, we got a lot to go through, so we're going to go through the entire Sunday card. We're going to pick one player each that we think could potentially provide you a bit of flex value, or maybe in just a given position where you might be in desperate need of, let's just say, an unsung hero. But for the start of this, I'm going to go in according to rotation order, just because it's easier that way. Starting off on the Sunday card at 1 o'clock with the Saints and the Carolina Panthers, and that one totals around 45, but we know Jameis Winston had a big performance in Week 1 as he had five touchdown passes and about 140 yards, which is almost impossible, but he managed to find out a way to do that. However, Winston's not really a sleeper anymore because he had five touchdowns last week. So, Terrell, I'm going to ask you, if you had to pick one guy from this matchup on either Carolina or New Orleans, who you think people can plug in that are not really owned that often in most fantasy leagues, is there a guy that jumps out to you in that matchup? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the rookie wide receiver for Carolina. Terrace Marshall Jr., he's owned a little bit higher of a percentage, but people really aren't playing him for real. I don't think too many people are starting him that much. And he uh, had a 53% snap share in that game. So it's not the best, but it's not the worst. It's very intriguing for a third wide receiver coming in at 53% of the snaps. But he also, not only did he have that, he also had the second highest targets well, third highest targets behind Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. So he had more targets than Robbie Anderson, more targets than Ian Thomas. Um, he's getting looks from Sam Darnold. And if you looked at that game, he got a couple end zone shots as well. I think he had two uh, end zone targets in that game. So there's a high possibility for him to get in the end zone if Sam Darnold keeps looking for him down there. I like Tanner Marshall in this matchup where, you know, no Marshawn Lattimore. So, uh, they're gonna move. They're gonna move everybody on the secondary over one spot. So he's gonna get somebody deeper down in that secondary. I think he can exploit that matchup. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Marshall is a guy who jumped off the page to me at LSU, obviously, but also in preseason because he definitely seemed to be poised to be the starting slot receiver on that team. For me, I'm gonna go with a guy who had two touchdowns in Week One. Now I'm gonna warn you, tight end. Very volatile position. We all know in fantasy football, mm -hmm. if you don't have a Kittle, a Waller, a Kelsey, Mark mm -hmm. Andrews was terrible in week one, but including him in this situation, you pretty much need touchdowns or busts for almost every single tight end after that, besides maybe a Logan Thomas <laughs> PPR value. So I'm going to look at Juwan Johnson, who ended up being, I'd say, Winston's favorite red zone target because he had two touchdowns and three catches for 21 yards. Now, of course, you're pretty much going touchdown or bust in the situation, but if you have a tight end that you are not exactly thrilled with and you think that you kind of could use a little bit more upside, I do think Johnson is a guy who, if he could develop a certain role on the team as being a red zone specialist, quote-unquote, or Winston can just throw the ball up to him and he can potentially make some plays, I do think there is some value on taking Johnson, even in a DFS league, if you are going through a really, really cheap budget option for the tight end position. I do think Jawan Johnson has some value in that spot. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, especially for DFS. Um, I'm trying to look up his number now. I think he's probably at the minimum $3,000 in DFS for a tight end. So I would definitely uh, take a look at Jawan Johnson. Just, you know, wherever you can get those touchdowns at, if he has another two-touchdown performance, that's a super huge edge over anybody that – uh, play the tight end in DFS because you're getting two touchdowns for $3,000 basically where you're probably paying an $8,000 price for a Kelsey. You can use that money somewhere else. So I definitely like the Johnson pick, especially with Adam Trotman banged up right now. And that looks like that's one the guy that they want to use um, more often in the red zone and throughout this game. Plus, I don't exactly ruin any strategies for DFS this week, but realistically, you look at Wilson's matchup, you look at Kyler's matchup, you look at Brady's matchup. I feel like everyone's going to be going stud quarterback because I feel like that's kind of the obvious move. So if you're going to be yeah. using that much budget on that position and you're probably going to stack him with a wide receiver, then I do think there is merit trying to go cheap on a couple of positions because you need to. So tight end could be one of those spots. But looking at the second game on the card, we're going to be looking at the Texans and the Browns. Browns are clear favorites in this game by about 13 points. Total is 48. So it's supposed to be a little bit of a high-scoring game here. But... For this matchup, I know Odell is going to be out, which of course is a surprise to some after he missed week one, but he's going to be out once again for week two. That kind of takes me to my personal sleeper in this matchup, but I'll let you go first. 
Oh, well, how sweet of you, Scott. I am on all over the rookie wide receiver, Nico Collins, in this matchup. I'm going with the Texans here. I think um, somebody from Houston is going to have to get the ball. They're going to move the ball somewhat. If we don't think they're going to score, we don't think that they're going to look all that good, it's probably a huge letdown spot coming off of that win against Jacksonville to go and play the Browns who are licking their chops after taking a loss to the Chiefs. But Nico Collins got 55% of the snaps um, as at wide receiver for the Texans last week, and that was second most on the team. He, got, he only got three targets, which wasn't um, very underwhelming for him to get the second most snaps of wide receiver, especially with somebody like Damian Landola coming in and getting a lot more targets. But Nico Collins is a guy that can take the top off the defense, and if he can get into the second level of that secondary and get a couple in deep looks from Tyrod Taylor, then he can be somebody that, especially in DFS, scores you a – scores you a touchdown on a long bomb and then just automatically gives you a positional advantage over everybody else for getting some extra points for $3,000. So I like Nico Collins this week. I think he can get behind this Brown secondary who is on the rise, but still looks like they have a little bit of work that needs to be done and possibly score a touchdown. So that's kind of the hardest part after trying to evaluate week one because the Texans looked really good playing arguably the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. And while Cleveland's defense looked useless against the best offense in the league. So it's kind of tough to tell just how good both units are. I agree with the Collins pick. If you want to look for another long shot potential dart throw for either a flex spot if you're in desperate need. But I think the main reason why is because the spread is so huge. So if you think Cleveland is going to roll – Garbage time is a beautiful thing, man, when it comes Absolutely. to fantasy football. So Absolutely. If, if Tyrod's going to have to throw the ball around and they can't run it with Mark Ingram, who I know he had a pretty solid game, but he averaged 3.3 yards per carry or so. He wasn't that efficient. I do think Collins could get some shots there, maybe a red zone target or two, which could lead to a touchdown. For me, I'm actually going to go with the other side, though. I'm looking at Cleveland, and there's one guy that I actually really like, a rookie wide receiver, Anthony Schwartz. And I thought that he looked okay. really good in the – season opener three receptions for 69 yards plus he's an absolute just trackster guy's got serious speed which is why Cleveland did give him a carry for 17 yards now he's a bit questionable however he was limited in practice on Wednesday and the fact that he's practicing at all means he's most likely going to suit up but the issue that I had with Swartz was going to be what his role was going to be if Odell came back now I don't have to worry about that because Odell is not going to be there for week two at least so I do think that the Texans defense Ended up leaving a couple of holes there for Trevor Lawrence to exploit in the passing game. Now, the Browns could always just run the ball with Chubb 20-something times, and my play's completely shot. Having said that, I do think Schwartz has big playability, and if you think that he's going to get a couple of end-arounds or maybe a screen pass he can take to the crib, I do think he has the explosiveness to make a big play and to potentially burn the defense over the top on a potential long shot. What do you think? Yeah, no, I like Anthony Schwartz. I was watching him during that uh, Chiefs game because if you don't know and if anybody else doesn't know, I am the president of the Patrick Mahomes fan club. Send me an email. We can get you your membership. But Anthony Schwartz was a guy that I was watching like, holy crap, who is this guy? Like That's he's fast. out there. He, he jumps yeah, off the page. Fast. He jumps off the page and he's definitely like, man, did I miss – did I miss the whole preseason with this guy out here? Like where was he at? And he's definitely somebody that I look to target especially with Odell um, out, just, you know, if you need, uh, if you're at a really, really deep league where you have 
two, three flex spots and, you know, you're begging anybody for production, look on the waiver wire for shorts because he's somebody that can definitely burn. And if we think the Texas defense is as bad as they are, especially that secondary where Vernick Hargreaves back there, then he has the opportunity to get behind them and score. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just a situation where even if it's a little premature and you might not want to actually start him this week, I do think he's worth keeping an eye on because he could be a guy some point down the road if Odell's never really fully healthy or if he gets re-injured. Then, of course, I think Schwartz will continue to have that uh, current role that he currently possesses. But either way, looking at the third game at the 1 o'clock slate, you have a pretty hideous one because you have Cincinnati against Chicago. And Chicago with Andy Dalton is favored. Congratulations to Chicago. I don't know if they're actually going to win or not, but total now one's 45, so people are expecting a little bit of a medium scoring game in that one. Are you going to hold your nose and take anybody from Chicago, or are you going to just side with a potential sleeper with this up-and-coming offense with Burrow and Chase and company? Oh, man, this is a hard one because it's just like – Because you don't want to trust Andy Dalton throwing the ball to anybody. You don't want to trust anybody. And it's like, is there even really a sleeper on this Bengals offense? Like, their top three wide receivers are studs. So, like, it's not really too many opportunities for sleepers over there. I guess if I had to pick somebody that people really aren't on, it's going to be Cole Komet. I mean, we came into the season and we were thinking like, okay, this could possibly be Cole Komet's breakout year. But they were like, oh, Jimmy Graham is still there. Where if you look at week one, Cole Komet got 74% of snaps at tight end. Jimmy Graham only was on the field 20% of the time. Now, Jimmy Graham did get their one red zone target to a tight end and not Cole Komet. But Cole Komet got a pretty decent target share. And he, he was on the field a bunch. There's a lot of opportunity there for him. And when you have Andy Dalton, you think dink and dunk, and you think that, you know, maybe a PPR hog, and he gets a whole bunch of catches, and then maybe, hey, like you said, it's either you're a PPR machine at tight end or you fall into the end zone. I think Cole Komet could be a PPR machine and walk out with five, six catches. So I was in the same boat as you where I had a hard time finding a guy on Cincinnati that I wanted to back. So I thought really, really hard about it, and I got the same guy you did. I got Cole Komet. (laughs) At the end of the day – it's kind of hypocritical of Nagy because he's willing to accept the fact that the younger, the younger tight end and Cole commits better than the older guy, but he's not willing to not accept really that with the quarterback yet. Nope, not at all. Even though not I, at know, all. <laughs> I know Fields is a little raw, and I think we can agree with that. He showed flashes in preseason. Still, there's work to be done. I just don't understand what exactly the point of keeping Dalton is there, especially for a coach that doesn't really have much job security. Like, if you look at betting markets, Nagy's one of the lowest odds to be the first coach fired. So it's like Nagy's trying to play the long game when he might only have, like, four weeks left in his job if they start off 0-5. I don't really understand that. Uh, Dalton, I didn't think it looked awful in week one. They moved the ball. They just couldn't convert a fourth down in the first half, and he had that terrible red zone interception. But Fields, I just think, gives you a spark, and they're missing it. But having said that, Andy Dalton does love his tight ends. So I think I'm going to sit on my soapbox. I'm going to sit on my soapbox for a second because everybody sits here and talk like, oh, they're trying to do the Patrick Mahomes thing, trying to do the Patrick Mahomes thing. No, guys, look, I'm the president of the fan club. I know this. The Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are two completely different situations than the, than the Bears and, the, uh, and Justin Fields. The Bears are not a good team. The Chiefs were a good team. The Chiefs were 12 before that season. Alex Smith was playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league that season. If you don't remember, he was playing like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league that season. Now, was he? Not necessarily because 
uh, is still Alex Smith, but he was playing like up there. They were they had a good game plan for him. They had a great team and they're moving the ball. Whereas now we have this Bears team where they don't look good. Now, did Andy Dalton look completely terrible the first game? No, he didn't. But we know who Andy Dalton is and we know what you're going to get out of him. So I agree with you. I think that, you know, it just might be time to just let Fields sink or swim and just throw him on out there. But Please, 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 people, stop stop referring it back to Patrick Mahomes. It is not that. I promise you, I'm the un- president. Un- until I actually see Dalton show any kind of creativity or even just Nagy showing creativity with the, this offense, I'm going to assume it's going to be the same classic intermediate routes to tight ends and Allen Robinson. That's basically it. Yep. So I'm going to look at Cole Komet there. But looking at the other 1 o'clock game, you have two teams that are undefeated. You had Vegas, who had the thrilling victory or – whatever that was in the final 10 minutes against Baltimore, because I'm still not really sure what happened. And you had Pittsburgh who had a nice come from behind win against Buffalo on the road, which in my opinion was probably the most impressive win of week one, just based on how they went into the land of the broken tables and they ended up winning the game anyway. But looking at this actual matchup here, is there anybody on Vegas that you're tempted by for this matchup against arguably the best defense in the league? Because I had a really hard time trying to find a guy. I know Vegas' offense looked good against Baltimore's defense. Mm -hmm. It was in a dome. Baltimore, of course, missing Marcus Peters. Pittsburgh's defense is a different animal, and Vegas is traveling to the East Coast outside on a short week. Is there anybody on the Raiders you actually like, or are they just a stay away for you? No, I actually like Hunter Renfro. I really like Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro is a viable flex option in fantasy this year. And if you just look at what he did, like I'm all over this first week. I want to, if you haven't been picked up on it, I'm looking at Snapshare this first week. I'm looking at, okay, who are they really putting out there? Like we sat in here, we went through preseason and we seen who didn't play. We seen who did play, but who are they really trying out there week one? And he got 55% of snaps week one. That's a pretty big, you know, share of the snaps for a team that splits that slap share evenly, like throughout their wide receivers. If you just look at the wide receivers, Brian Edwards at 66%, Henry Ruggs, 65%, Hunter Renfro, 55%, Zay Jones, 23%. They split it out pretty evenly. Nobody is getting all of the work. And then not only for him to have 55% of the snaps, but for him to get nine targets, nine targets, that's pretty good. And I think that uh, in a Steelers defense that is really, really good and doesn't have too many holes, the slot is somewhere that you can actually pick them apart a little bit. And if Hunter Renfro is working out of the slot and doing his damage in the slot, getting uh, these short intermediate throws, he can become a PPR hog and put up 10 points off of just five catches in a few yards. So I like Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro is somebody that is a bright spot on this team that is probably going to regress after that first week. So – I was trying to set you up, and you passed because I also got Hunter Renfro. <laughs> my yeah, guy let's see. So, look at there. Because it was really tough to find a guy on Pittsburgh. It's kind of what we talked about before with Cincinnati and how the main yeah. receiving weapons are, of course, well-known guys. Who are your sleepers on Pittsburgh? You got Juju, people own, of course. You I got mean, Chase Claypool. You got Deontay Johnson. People also, I'm sure, have dabbled with Ebron or Fryermuth. But, I mean, Najee Harris, of course, is owned. Ben, Big Ben pass so yeah I'm looking at Renfro too because if you're expecting Pittsburgh to win the game which I think they're going to and you think the Raiders might struggle in a short week garbage time once again because you're going to have a lot of solid matchups for the corners on the outside I think that was the main takeaway I had for week one for the Raiders even though they won the game 
if your number one wide receiver and your number two wide receiver in Ruggs and Edwards have a combined zero catches throughout yeah. the first three and a half quarters, your wide yeah. receiver course stinks. And I think that Renfro is definitely Carr's most reliable option. He reminds me a lot of what Cole Beasley's been doing with Buffalo for the last couple of years. Yeah, what slot. Julian Edelman was to Brady. Yeah, for he's, all a, those he's years. a slot guy. He's not really going to get you many touchdowns. But if you think that Renfro can get you seven grabs for 70-something yards, 80-something yards, that's still a pretty nice day for fantasy. Yeah, players. absolutely, especially for somebody that's deep on your bench and is probably your second flex option. If you have that, if you have two flex options, then absolutely you need as many points as you can get. And he could be an interesting DFS play if you want somebody that's really cheap and has the opportunity to get you double-digit fantasy points. Yeah, I agree with that. But looking at the other or uh, the next 1 o'clock game, you have a matchup between two AFC East teams as Buffalo travels to Miami, and Buffalo's favored by 3.5, totals around 47.5. For this one, I definitely expect the bounce backs by uh, Buffalo after such a terrible offensive showing in the first week. However, the offense wasn't even that bad. It was the red zone offense that was atrocious, but they actually were able to move the ball a little bit. Miami was kind of the exact way I thought it was going to play, in a very hideous game against New England where I loved mm-hmm. the under and I gladly cashed it because I thought Easily. both quarterbacks were going to just be safe with the ball, a lot of running plays, a lot of really just, I don't want to say dump-off passes, but a lot of short passes to tight ends, and I didn't expect many deep shots. Do you think this game's going to open up a little bit for both sides? And if you do or if you don't, is there a specific angle you like for a player? Yeah, I do think it'll open up a little bit. And just because of I don't think Buffalo's defense is that good. I think that they're well coached, but I don't think the talent is necessarily there all around the ball. You have guys like Trey White and you have the rookie and Greg Rousseau. You have some names on that defense, but I just don't think as a whole unit that they're as tight as we thought they were. And Pittsburgh exploited it later in that game. And I um I gladly clashed on cashed on that Pittsburgh money line there, but um so I think it'll be a little bit more scoring because I think that even though Miami's defense is good, I think that the Bills' offense is great, and I think they can still move the ball. And that's where I'm getting my sleeper for this game from. It's going to be Dawson Knox, uh, a tight end. And, you know, I feel like I've been picking a lot of tight ends recently as sleepers, but Dawson Knox, this Miami defense last week, against the tight end, eight for eight, 73 yards. And that was against two. So now imagine all that work going to Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox gets basically all the tight end snaps for this team. And if uh, prior to this season, when I was doing my breakdown of Miami's defense, I saw that the tight end is a spot where they can be exploited, especially because they have those lockdown corners in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So I think a few shots to Dawson Knox here or there get into the red zone and you see the corners locking guys up on outside digs, probably going to be double team at that point in time. Knox is the guy that looks to benefit from that. So I think Dawson Knox has a high possibility of getting into the end zone here and having a really, really nice day. Yeah, and that's a good choice. Now, of course, in most leagues, if you're in a deep league, Waddle's not available, Beasley's not available. If, if they are available, I'd like them too. But for this one, I'm kind of going to take a guy who – I'm not really sure what his position is on the depth chart because I just find the Buffalo receiving core fascinating with how they divide up the snaps. I like Uh Gabriel Davis. He just seems to be a guy who always finds the end zone all the time. Uh And I know that he was only targeted about five times in week one, two catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. But it seems like Josh Allen, whenever he needs to find somebody and it's not Stephon Diggs, 
Why do I feel like Gabriel Davis is always in the right place at the right time? Because it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, he's he, – you would – if you look at the film and you look at him, he's definitely the number two on that team. Like, absolutely. If you look at the film and look how he plays, he's definitely the number two on the team. It just doesn't turn into um, targets. It doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't turn into snaps. He had 51% of snaps, whereas Emmanuel Standard said 93% of snaps. So, it's like, gosh, here's another veteran wide receiver that's just taking snaps from this kid – uh, from what John Brown was the year before. So um, I think Gabriel Davis, talent-wise, is the number two on his team. And as soon as the snap share uh, shows it, then he's going to be a viable fantasy option. We're not going to be able to talk to him as a sleeper. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the case. Now, Emmanuel Sanders looked pretty good in week one, had 52 receiving yards, eight targets, four receptions. But at the end of the day, I am kind of curious what the ceiling is for Sanders at this stage in his career. He's had several injuries. I'm curious if he's going to be able to hold up for the entire season. But Davis is just a guy who I guess the coaching staff just disrespects for some reason because every time he's on the field, he ends up in the end zone. Yeah. Just the way it is. And for some reason, he just has had a hard time cracking the starting lineup unless there's injuries in front of him. So I'll see what happens moving forward. But Davis and Josh Allen do seem to have a bit of a connection there in the red zone. So we'll see if that translates on a Sunday. But looking at another matchup, you have the Rams traveling to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on the Colts. Total in that one's around 48. Total in a lot of these games around 48. Kind of similar totals for most games uh, in the 1 o'clock slate. But Rams are favored of course, because I don't know what people liked about Indianapolis in week one against Seattle. But, of course, Stafford went nuts. Now, do we think he can continue that? Was that because the Bears are terrible? We don't know. We're going to find that out. For this matchup, is there anybody that you actually like on either the Colts side or the Rams side? Yeah, it's on the Colts side. And, you know, let's just pop quiz. Who do you think the top two targets were for the Colts in that first week? I would assume Pascal because he had two touchdowns. Okay. And my... Other guess would be, damn, that receiving core is bad. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out who the other one would be. I don't, I don't think it was Paris Campbell. I don't think it would have been Pittman. I have no idea. So you were wrong with Pascal. Okay. The number one target was Naeem Hines, eight targets. Okay. Second, Jonathan Taylor was seven targets. Okay, both actually, that actually were, does sound vaguely familiar. Okay. Both running backs were the top two targets for that Colts team in that first week, and they were playing the Seattle Seahawks defense. Carson Wentz effect, man. Yeah, man. Like, we're not even – the Seattle Seahawks defense is not who it used to be, and he's dinking dunking against Seattle. There's no way he's going to be able to push the ball. No way he's going to be able to push the ball against the Rams defense. And I like Naeem Hines here as a sleeper. I think this is somebody – obviously, he has a role on his team as the pass-catching back. Now, it looks like he split that a little bit with seven targets going to Jonathan Taylor, but eight targets is nothing to fool with, and he still had a pretty good – productive day with those eight with those eight targets so I think Naeem Hines has a huge opportunity in front of him where if he's going to continue to get a lot of pass catching work as that passing down back with the Colts then he can make a play we've seen this guy come out there and have two touchdown performances off of just pass catching back work so I like Naeem Hines here I think that's somebody that you know if you have him and you're looking for uh, you're hurt at running back or you're looking for a deep flex option, I really like Naeem Hines to go into the lineup and get you, uh, you know, that PPR points. So for me, Hines was a guy who I was going to include, but I feel like a decent amount of people actually own him because the Colts also just paid him an extension, made him a top mm-hmm. 10 paid running back in the league. So I'm assuming that he's going to be on a decent amount of rosters. However, 
I'm going to stick with the Colts on this one because Seattle, as much as I love Russell Wilson, that receiving core is so top-heavy, it's not even funny. You basically yeah. have two guys, and that's basically it. But I'm looking at Zach Pascal uh, as the mm-hmm. other option. Of course, he had two touchdowns, which I was kind of surprised with his low ownership going into week one, either in DFS or in fantasy leagues, because once T.Y. Hilton was ruled out indefinitely, who else are you going to go to? Like they don't really have many options there. Yeah, so I Pittman, just thought that, Campbell. That's what I'm saying. But Pittman's had injury issues. Same thing with Campbell where Pittman, I feel like Pittman runs the same two routes. Like I feel like every time I look at him, he's running the same as that two routes. And it's like, oh man, like I need you to develop more. <laughs> and Campbell, I have a hard time fully trusting because he got injured basically one game into his rookie season. So I'm not exactly sure if he's fully, fully ready or if he's actually able to play NFL wide receiver. But Pascal is a guy who has been productive in this offense for the last couple of years. Nothing outstanding, 600-plus yards. But the point is is that he knows, this, he knows the actual system. He's trusted upon by the coaching staff. And Wentz appears to really like him because he threw him the ball twice in the end zone. So I think Pascal has some value there, either in one DFS more, or in regular. One more guy that's very interesting, Mo Ali Cox here. I think Mo Ali Cox is somebody that's going to be interesting and could possibly get a couple end zone looks if they move the bar far enough. And just, you know, for narratives, because I love to speak on narratives, Sunday is his birthday. So, you know, maybe they look a couple his way a couple times and get him in the end zone one time for a happy birthday. So I'm actually curious, do you factor in birthdays to your fantasy I 100%, research? I 100% okay. factor in birthdays. Like, Darren Waller's birthday was on Monday. He had that huge game. Terry McLaurin's birthday is today, and he had a, he's having a big game against the Giants. I 100% factor in birthdays. Like, if it's your birthday, and I think you already have a plus matchup, more than likely I'm going to use that in my analysis and be like, okay, yeah, he's probably going to get off this game. So you're saying that instead of Carr going, are you one, are you two for your birthday, it was just the amount of targets that he was getting until it reached his actual oh, yep. age. Is that uh-huh. as, soon okay. as, as soon as he was like, all right, we're going to get you to 29. As soon as we get you 29, then that's it. Yeah, that's about as many targets as he had because it felt like they threw him the ball every play. Absolutely. But anyway, looking at another matchup here in the NFC, you have the 49ers traveling to Philly. This one's actually a pretty high, a pretty high total of 50. 49ers are favored. Now, 49ers won. I don't know how happy they should feel about the win because they almost <laughs> blew the game in two minutes. Thankfully for them and for my Survivor League, I'm still alive. So the 49ers held on and won. Uh, but Philly, yeah, Philly looked dominant. They really, really kicked Atlanta's ass. However, I think Atlanta's a terrible football team. So I don't really know how much I can read into that. That defense for Atlanta is just an ultimate fade that they, they, they can't rush the pass or they can't stop the run. They can't guard the pass. I don't really know what they're good at on defense, but it's not playing defense. So anyway, <laughs> it's pretty tough to actually gauge what Philly did. However, I'm going to talk about one sleeper that I do have on Philly. I do like Jalen Rager. Now I hated the dra- I hated the draft pick because Justin Jefferson was sitting right there and you pick Jalen Rieger, and I don't think that's a good pick. Having said that, he did get a decent percentage of the snaps. He had the screen pass for a touchdown at the end, and we know Rieger, even if he's not going to really get you a ton of receptions, he has a lot of big playability. That's why he's a special teams guy as well, and they try to get him on the punt returns because they know that he's explosive. So if you think that the 49ers secondary, they got exploited last week, and now Verrett's out for the year. The pick six guy in Greenwell is also out for like two months or so. The defense is really, really compromised. I do think this Philly offense is underrated. I really liked what I saw from Sirianni in week one, just with the actual, I would say just the energy of Philly. It looked like they were actually 
going into the game expecting to win, and they did. I think Rieger is a pretty, I'd say, sneaky play because anytime he touches the ball, he's a threat to take it to the house. The only issue is he probably touches the ball about five times a game. So, you know, you got to pick your spots there. But 49ers defense, are they as bad as I'm claiming, or am I just overreacting to week one? No, I think that – and I don't think that is necessarily their bag, but, oh, my gosh, they cannot stay healthy. This is the second year in a row that they're just killed by injuries. They're, lo- they're missing their top two corners. They just lost Greenlaw um, for an extended amount of time on an injury there. And they just, they just can't stay healthy. Like, they literally cannot stay healthy. And that's why I agree with you with Jalen Rager. And that was my sleeper pick for this game as well, Jalen Rager, because he still has six targets that game. He still has six targets. He's played 70% of the snaps. And Jalen Rager is, the, the at this point, the most veteran wide receiver they have on the team right now, uh, a la um, Alshon Jeffrey, who, who knows if we'll ever see him play football again. Truth is, he might be on the roster just by name. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've seen him play a I don't game. Think I don't year. think I've seen him even with the team. He might be at home just chilling, collecting a check on the couch. So, uh, no, Jalen Rager is the most veteran wide receiver on his team. And in a defense where they're missing their top two corners, there's opportunity for him to exploit that. There's opportunity for Jalen Hurts to uh, maneuver around in the pocket and get the ball downfield and let his receivers make a big play. And Rager could definitely be as explosive as he is. He could definitely be somebody that I see take a long shot and a long bomb to the, to the house. And one more guy is Quez Watkins, who I think is lower in dev charts and somebody I'm looking to play in DFS this week for the men 3000 because Quez Watkins in the same boat as, as Rager and they can both, they're both explosive. They're both super fast and can get downfield and they have a rapport with Jalen Hurts where I can see these guys going for a 60, 70 yard touchdown, just like that. And Hurts opening the game up. See Watkins really confused me in week one because he had about three receptions in the span of 30 seconds and they never threw him the ball Never again. saw him I'm, again. I'm not really sure what happened, but he looked really, really good for about a minute and a half in that game. But yeah. anyway, uh, we're about halfway through the card. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all of your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, great odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, a risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download, bet, win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The Fantasy Football Podcast is also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Go check out the new PropSwap.com, which is packed with brand new features like filtering tickets based on value to find the best odds available. You can also browse the activity feed to stay in the know. And there's also a very nice loyalty rewards program that turns sales into extra cash and much more. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match it up to $500. If you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. 
the prop swap your bet does not even need to win in order to make money it just needs to improve so for example if you end up loving Chandler Jones after his five sack performance in week one and you think that he's a shoe-in to win defensive player of the year you can take a bet right now at around plus 800 sit on it for a couple of weeks and if it ends up dropping to plus 300 you can opt out you can sell your ticket and make automatic profit but remember when you make your bet always go for two make two tickets on the same team or player prop and you can sell one of them for profit and keep the extra one so you still have something in the game thousands of buyers across the country are shopping for tickets on prop swap every day get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the prop swap app PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We are also brought to you by Keeps. Keeps offers a simple and stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months so you don't have to leave your own home. Treatments are also extremely cheap as they start at just $10 per month and Keeps offers generic versions, discreet packaging, and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and treatments can take four to six months to see results. So fast if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss go to keeps.com slash sgp to receive your first month of treatment for free that's keeps.com slash sgp to get your first month free keeps.com slash sgp PicksWise is the number one app for sports betting picks helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport. Loaded with best bets, props, and parlays, you can find in-depth analysis on every game all for free. Found your pick? Search the latest sportsbook promotions to sign up an account, compare the odds, and finally place your bet. Download the free PicksWise app now to make your next bet better. Pick. We are also brought to you by Prize Picks. Turn your picks into real cash with Prize Picks, my favorite daily fantasy app. It's free and it's easy, and it all starts with Prize Picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide if they will go over or under their current stat projection. The more players you pick, the more you could win, up to 10 times your money. Prize Picks is the only way that I play three props that I'm looking at right now for week two. I like Nick Chubb over 90 and a half rushing yards against Houston. I like Jamar Chase over 57 and a half receiving yards. And I like Antonio Brown over 64 and a half receiving yards. Those three, if all three of them hit, turn $20 into $100. Use the promo code SGP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's Prize Picks promo code SGP. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after speaking with them and using their service, it all made sense. There is no catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. By cutting out retail stores, there's no crazy overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of mystery fees. Instead, Mint Mobile just passes on sweet savings directly to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone number with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. 
switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash sports SGP. That's mintmobile.com slash sports SGP. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash sports SGP. Are you the best football better in America? The folks at OddsCrowd are challenging you to prove it this football season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contest. Each week of the season, there is a $350 NFL contest and a $250 contest. The boys here at SGPN are all taking part. So can you to try to claim your bragging rights over us too. Here's how it works. Once you enter the contest, you track your bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any other pick tracking app. The most profitable players rise up the leaderboards. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. To download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com today. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So I was going through the card with Terrell, and we were talking about some sleepers, some diamonds in the rough, so to speak, that you can potentially use in your DFS or in your regular fantasy lineups if you are really desperate. But moving on, looking at Denver against Jacksonville, not really much else to say because Jacksonville really took my breath away with that week one performance. Wouldn't you say so? Uh, you know, somebody called for the Texans to win on the money line and was calling for it for a while and caught flack in the Slack channel, sgpnslack.com slash Slack, if you want to get in there. I caught a bunch of flack for that earlier. I got a feeling it was you who was the one who took the Texans on the money line in that. Oh, absolutely. It was me that took the Texans on the money line and called for it in the summer. No way am I taking Urban Meyer in his first game, man. I'm not even taking him in his second game, to be honest. Teddy Bridgewater is that guy on the road. He's like 22-3 and ATS on the road. Like, this guy is a baller. And Teddy Two Gloves, he knows what to do with the football. He's not going to make a bad play. And so I'm not sure if he counts as a sleeper anymore, but I'm on K.J. Hamler here. Especially, I thought, I thought you were going to stick with Teddy Two Gloves as your sleeper, as a sleeper no, quarterback. So option. that's actually pretty – wow, that's – Scott, I didn't think about that. I'm not that sure is, how, what a, the percentage is. I don't but, know what the percentage is, but I think he would be a great sleeper quarterback option, especially if you're streaming quarterbacks and, you know, you're somebody that punted on quarterback and stocked up all your other positions and you're just kind of streaming somebody. We, we, Teddy Bridgewater definitely could be a streaming quarterback. My, this my advice to you if you're streaming any position on offense, just fade Jacksonville. Just look, oh, yeah, at the, just look at the schedule and plan accordingly because that defense was already, in my opinion, the worst in the league, and their answer was to draft a running back in the first round and to bring in a college offensive coach. They didn't do anything to address the defense. They drafted a couple of rookies in the second round onward. A running back? I know he's injured and he's out for the year, and of course I didn't wish that to happen ETN, but even if ETN was healthy, your defense still would have given up 37 points to Houston. Yep, absolutely. So, 
the way I'm looking, yeah, my my sleeper was Teddy Bridgewater, uh, if that fully counts. I'm sure some people ended up jumping on him, but at the end of the day, he's still got the stigma attached to him right or wrong. He's a game manager, and he's not going to put together many impressive stats. Having said that, Tyrod Taylor has the same exact stigma, and he torched this team. So I think that uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who looked really good against the Giants in week one, Unfortunately, Judy got injured, so that's going to hurt the receiving core a little bit. I but do getting think- into that, that's where I'm wanting K.J. Hamler here because K.J. Hamler still had four targets in that game, and so Judy led the team in targets with seven. That's going to be a lot of, a lot of where, um, openness for this team. You know, Judy and Teddy Bridgewater had a great connection over camp, and that's where all those targets came from. Now he's going to be looking for a new guy. And K.J. Hamler had a couple chances. He had a really bad drop, like a really bad drop in the end zone. Where Teddy it was Bridgewater so bad when he put his hands funny. over his head and he's falling yeah, down the end zone. Yeah, you know that he, that's the worst he type knew, of drop He is. knew that he, had, yeah. he, he, he blew it, and I don't think he's going to blow it the next time he gets that opportunity. So I like K.J. Hamler here, especially as somebody on the other side of Cortland Sutton that can um, exploit that defense. So my sleeper wide receiver for Denver is going to be Tim Patrick. I just think he's a guy who has a lot of red zone potential, had a touchdown last week. And if you really have kept tabs on Denver for some reason, he has always been a guy who's been under the radar, but he'll also randomly find himself in the end zone with like 50-something yards. And I feel like – He's like – He's like their number one receiver. Like, if you think about it, if you've been looking at it, like, Well, now that Judy's out, you have a serious conversation about who the number one receiver is. And in the red zone, it might actually be Tim Patrick. Yeah, so when Cortland Sutton went down last year, everybody was like, oh, Jerry Judy time, Jerry Judy time. No, it was Tim Patrick time. Tim Patrick was the person leading that team in receptions for all that time. So this could be, you know, he's still somebody that they trust and somebody that they want to get the ball to and they manufacture touches. And if you look at that touchdown um, that he had last week, they put that play in for him with the intention of getting him in the end zone. So I definitely love that pick, Scott. Yeah, and for Cortland Sutton, just quickly – I like him as a player, but you can tell in week one, he's clearly not all the way back yet. So I would stay away from him and probably wait until he shows some flashes. But it's really just nice to see him on the field at all. But anyway, looking at what might be the most hideous game on the card, you have New England against the Jets. And that's going to be a very, very low-scoring game, most likely because it's the lowest total on the board at 43. Patriots are favored by six. No crap, because you got the Jets who are really bad against Belichick. Rookie quarterback versus Belichick angle. Don't start Zach Wilson. I guess that's my tip for you. That's not definitely not going to be my sleeper option. You have one on you have a sleeper on this one because for the Jets, you might look at garbage time, but I'm terrified for Zach Wilson in this one. You Oh man, I feel so like we thought Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts. Like Sam like Zach Wilson is really gonna be seeing ghosts out there. And New England might be my survivor pick for this week. I don't see how how Bill Belichick is going to lose to this rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson this week. Um, this one is tough because I think that both defenses are not getting credit and are better than advertised. I think New England's uh, defense might be the number one fantasy play this week for defense. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, and that's not really a sleeper because they're already drafted kind of high. I, I was so, going to ask you, do you count Aguilar as a sleeper or does that not count? I think he – I think he – so I will say he's a sleeper because I think even though he's rostered a bunch just because of the name Nelson Aguilar, like this is a name we know, and most fantasy users, when we get to the end of the draft, they may not know a lot of these guys and be like, oh, I recognize that name. Let me just go get that person but never start him. So I would say he was a sleeper just because I don't think he's going to be started at all. 
And I think this is the opportunity for him to be started. And then the same thing as another guy that I'm about to name in James White. I think this is the opportunity for James White to be started. So if you look last week, uh, Carolina went 11 for 11 to the running back. Now, granted, that's Christian McCaffrey, who is on a far another level than James White. But James White is no slouch when it comes to passing the ball. And he got seven targets last week. So James White could have a sneaky, really good day catching the football. If that's really a trend and the Jets are not good covering the running back, then that's somewhere check down city for McCorkle and him able to get the ball out really quickly, especially against this, uh, this Jets defense is, which is gonna look to get pressure and is gonna look to keep them um, off balance. So yeah, James White is a guy that I like, and I think that he could have a really good week. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, watching James White play against the Jets, it feels like he always catches at least five passes pretty much every game against them. But anyway, <laughs> looking at the next game, you have Arizona against Minnesota. Pretty sure Arizona still scoring against Tennessee from last week. But anyway, <laughs> uh, for the actual matchup here, Arizona of course is a favorite, three and a half totals around fifty-one. For this one, I like Rondell Moore as my sleeper okay. here for Arizona just because, first of all, I loved him in college at Purdue. He's just a guy who has big play written all over him. Now, Christian Kirk got the two touchdowns. Hopkins got the two touchdowns. And then you had Rondell Moore, who had a good day, but no touchdowns <laughs> and nobody noticed. Yeah. But I thought Moore – I just think Moore's a really good player. And if you're talking about a Kingsbury system, which for the, for the usually for September and early October is elite – and then as the season progresses, the offense tends to struggle a bit down the stretch in the colder months. I think Rondell Moore is just a really, really good player. And I do think that if you are doubting Minnesota secondary, which you should, because Burrow absolutely torched that defense last week, <laughs> I think Kyler is going to be able to pick whichever receiver he wants because you know he's going to buy time in the pocket. I like Rondell Moore. I just think that he's a guy who didn't score last week. I don't think they're going to force feed him a touchdown to make up for it, but – he still had a very good day in his first ever game in the NFL. I just think he's very good. Yeah, I had the same person from this game, Rondell Moore. I, I kind of struggled looking, you know, at that Minnesota Vikings team and anybody outside those top three guys and Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson to really do anything. I'm definitely not about to sit up here and tell people to play Chris Herndon at tight end. Absolutely not. So, uh, Rondell Moore is my guy. I think he's really good. I love him, the talent. I believe in the player, and I think that he can make make something shake when it comes to it. I didn't like that Christian Kirk still had as much usage as he did. I kind of thought that Rondell Moore was going to kind of take Christian Kirk more out of the the um, the um, team and, you know, not really have as many snaps and start to take work from him. Maybe he does do that later on in the year and really start to take away from Christian Kirk, who had those uh, big touchdowns that past week. But I like Rondo Moore here. I think Rondo Moore can sneak on the back end of the secondary and make a couple plays. Yeah, I agree. But looking at the 4 o'clock slate, uh, which we already talked about for Arizona, but moving on to a division game between Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is projected to win by, I don't know, about 90 points, and the total's around 53. Yeah, Tampa's minus 12 and a half. I think we all agree Atlanta's going to get killed again. But for this matchup, I feel like if you're looking for a sleeper, it kind of has to be Atlanta because I don't oh, know absolutely. what sleeper you're going to find on Tampa Bay. <laughs> so if I had to take a shot at – Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> yeah, if I had to take a shot with anybody – I guess I'll go with Hayden Hurst because people were expecting Kyle Pitts to be the main mm -hmm. alpha tight end. And yet, 
it was really more split than people thought it was going to be, which is also why I don't understand why they drafted Pitts in the first place. They weren't just going to let him go nuts from week one onward. But Hurst has been there. He's been pretty productive. I think he's a pretty good tight end. Once again, I'm really digging to the bottom of the barrel here. But I do think if you're looking for a tight end who could get you some PPR points and maybe a garbage time touchdown, because I do think there's going to be a lot of garbage time opportunity in this game. I think Atlanta might throw it 40, 50 something times because they're going to be getting killed out there. I'll go with Hayden Hurst. He's a reliable option, a tight end who can also get you five catches or more. I'll go with Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Um, it felt like when I was watching that game, every time I looked at it up at a tight end catching the ball, it was Hayden Hurst. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, like is Kyle Pitts not on his team anymore? Like, is he hurt? And I, I had to go look and I'm like, is Kyle Pitts hurt or something? Why is Hayden Hurst getting all this work? But no, yeah. Um, I'm on Russell Gage here, man. And this is really, truly a complete fade of Ross Cockrell. Ross Cockrell stepping in for Sean Murphy Bunting, who got hurt in that uh, game against Dallas. And he's not he's not one of those guys that you really um, look at in this Tampa Bay defense and say, okay, that guy is definitely going to hold yeah, his man. You, that's you somebody can, you that's can just really you can good. just say, you can just say it. He's he's not very good. You, you, yeah, you can just yeah, say it. definitely. He's he's. I don't I don't like to get into that. He made the NFL. He is good. He's just not good compared to his relatively peers. speaking. Yeah, relatively the guy speaking you want to, to his peers, yeah. he is not good at all. And so that's the guy you want to exploit. And you saw Dak do it last week um, when Murphy Bunting was in the game. Dak was exploiting Jamel Dean, and Jamel Dean was that guy that he really wanted to exploit. And I think Russell Gage is going to see a healthy mix of either Dean or um, Cockrell throughout most of this game as he steps into the slot and Cockrell and then steps onto the outside and gets Dean, whereas um, Carlton Davis, you know, another fan club that I'm president of, is going to be shadowing Calvin Ridley this entire game and should be looking to hold him. I think that Russell Gage is going to have the opportunity where he's going to get a lot more targets. He only had two targets in that game last week. I expect that to ramp back up and get a lot more uh, regression to the mean there, positive regression for him, and you know have the opportunity to make plays because we've seen Russell Gage be able to do this before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I'm looking at the clock right now, and I know that we still have a couple games to go through, so we'll go a little bit faster moving yep. forward. Uh, you got Tennessee against Seattle, which should turn into an absolute track meet. Tennessee's defense is awful. Seattle's defense was good in week one, but we still have some question marks about that defense. For this one, is there one guy that you're really targeting in this matchup? Because Tennessee, they only scored 13 points. They can do better than that. I think we can agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, they're a closure eye special this week. And I think for good reason. I think Tennessee has a chance to come out here and really punch Seattle in the mouth with Derrick Henry and win this on the money line. But it's kind of tough looking for sleepers in this game because, you know, this is another one of the teams. You have A.J. Brown. You got Julio Jones. You have uh, Derrick Henry. You look on the other side of the ball. You have Tyler Lockett. You have uh, – Chris Carson and DK Metcalf. I guess if I had to pick somebody that's flying under the radar, it would be um, Gerald Everett tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. And this is just a guy that, you know, the passing game coordinator from the Rams comes over and is now the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. And, you know, then brings over Gerald Everett with them. And he already knows that system. And we saw him flash and look a little, look good with Russell Wilson last week for a second. So I think Gerald Everett is somebody that, can get out there in space. He's a freak athlete and know he can make plays. And I think that he's going to at some point become the de facto number one over Will Disley. So if you had to pick somebody and you wanted to take a stab, somebody late and you just punt it on tight end, then 
I don't think you can do much worse than Gerald Everett. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that, but I went a different direction. For me, hold my nose, Chester Rogers. That was my choice just because of the fact that he actually led Tennessee in receiving yards last week over (laughs) A.J. Brown, over Julio Jones. I didn't didn't realize that. Yeah, he was tied for second in targets with Julio. Julio did nothing at 29 yards, but Rogers, is he a guy who's probably going to do well this week? I'm going to be honest, no. But if I had to pick a sleeper here, Everett would have been my option, but I am a little bit worried that after the one touchdown – People are just going to pick him up because they want to be a part of this Russell Wilson offense. I do think that Rodgers is still flying under the radar, so he was my pick. I'll admit it, though, definitely better sleepers in other matchups. But looking at the next matchup, you have Dallas against Los Angeles, the Chargers. Total in this Points, 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 points. Total is 55 and a half. So I think we can agree first first team to punt loses in this game. Chargers (laughs) are minus three and a half. Of course, Demarcus Lawrence is now out with the broken foot. So Dallas, if you thought they were going to get one stop in this game, uh, they got to pray for a holding penalty or something because they're not going to get much. But for this matchup here, Dallas looked really good on Thursday, but had a couple injuries in there. My sleeper is going to be Cedric Wilson for Dallas, mostly because of the fact that Michael Gallup is now out. And if you are going to be the number three receiver on this Dallas team, you automatically have value. It's the way that it is. And Cedric Wilson, of course, had the had the, uh, Really phenomenal game against Seattle last year, which I'm sure a lot of people remember. But besides that game was kind of quiet because he's always been buried on the depth chart. He's very talented. He's got a lot of skill. The question was, can he get the playing time? And now that Gallup is out, he should get a decent upgrade in terms of snaps. I think you're looking for a sleeper and you think that Los Angeles' defense is pretty good, but maybe not as good as, you know, Washington made a look in week one with a backup quarterback at the helm. I do think Cedric Wilson has some value. Yeah, so I'm going a number three receiver, but I'm going on the other side of the ball. And I like Jalen Guyton um, for the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is somebody that we've seen before in this offense, and he has 65% of snaps. And then he's going against that awful secondary of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Trayvon Diggs did actually play really well against Mike Evans that first week. And he played a lot better than I thought he would. I thought it'd take him one more year to get to that level, or at least towards the end of the season to play on that level. But he came early this season ready to ball. So I expect him to get um, Mike Williams on the outside a lot. Um, Keenan Allen is not a sleeper, but he should have a really good day inside the slot. So I'm looking on that other side and who's going to get um, that second corner for Dallas, who just seems to get torched all the time. And so Jalen Guyton is a guy that can make something do. Like I say, he gets the snap share, 65% of snaps. He had five targets last week. I think that he can get past this Dallas secondary and get a, a deep ball or get a couple nice plays from Justin Herbert there and be able to score you some points. And he's definitely somebody that I think is completely under the radar and nobody's looking at. So if you're hurt at wide receiver, pick him up for sure. And look at him for your um, dynasty lineups and get in the minimum 3,000 on him. Either way, if you're looking at this matchup and you want to take a sleeper wide receiver, somebody's got to catch the ball for there to be 50-something points in this game. And you might get Absolutely. 60. So, decent shot there. Decent matchup if you want to find some sleepers. But time to talk about the night games. Uh, you have the Chiefs taking on the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Damn, the matchup sounded better about two weeks ago. <laughs> but either way, Chiefs are favored by about three and a half. Totals 54 and a half. Baltimore on the short week after losing to Vegas in overtime. Kansas City had a real, really just nail-biter. Uh, going on against Cleveland, but it held on for the end. For Sleeper, though, I'm looking at Baltimore, and it's going to be Latavius Murray. Am I thrilled with this one? 
not really having said that, I do like Tyshawn Williams a lot, or Tyson Williams, sorry, as a running back. I think he's very talented. However, he is still a bit undersized. And I think if mm-hmm. you're looking at a red zone running back, a short yard situation guy, I think Latavius Murray is going to be your best bet because he kind of took over the starting job midway through the second half of that yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. Which made no sense, by the way, because Williams was actually playing really well. But I think if you're looking for a short yard situation, you know, the identity of Baltimore is to pound the rock. I think Latavius Murray is going to be a guy who is going to get the ball on third and one. And, you know, the read option game, people are always going to assume Lamar's going to score. Defenses assume that too. So if they're going to be overcommitting yeah. to Lamar, you can potentially run over into the middle with Latavius on a halfback dive. But once again, I think Baltimore is going to get killed in this game. Sorry for a spoiler there. I think everyone feels the same way about this matchup. But on a short yard situation, I'll take my chance with Latavius Murray. You? So um, there's absolutely no such thing as a sleeper in Pat Mahomes' offense. Like, there's no such thing. So we're not looking that way. So Latavius Murray was the guy that I came up with as somebody that people probably aren't doing. And he's somebody that I rostered as soon as the Saints dropped him because I anticipated him going to Baltimore. And you got to think of why the Saints dropped him. The Saints didn't drop him because he was bad or he was regressing or anything like that. He just they just wanted him cut. to take a pay cut. He didn't want to take a pay cut, so they had to drop him. That's it. He still has the talent. They still believe in him as a player. They just didn't want to pay him. And so now he comes over into Baltimore where he's basically walking into another starting job, and we've seen him in Minnesota have a starting job and look pretty well. And, yes, they like Tyson Williams, but – this is a split. Like this is running back by committee. These, uh, he got thirty-one percent of the carries. He got thirty-one percent of the snaps off of the street. Like came off of the street, hopped off the plane from New Orleans, and then walked into thirty-one percent of the snaps. So Latavius Murray has an, a full week in this um, system, learning what, learning the system, learning what he needs to do. I think Latavius Murray has a chance to take over as the lead back. Like for good and so if you can get him now and play him now when he's still at a discount and then maybe they that Baltimore has a change of heart and decides to give him work and he can catch the ball out the backfield as well yeah I like that yeah I agree but looking at the last one I'll go pretty quickly on this one because we're almost at the hour mark Monday night you have Detroit against Green Bay Green Bay is a huge favorite of course about 11 point favorites total is 48 and a half for me I'm looking at Green Bay I'm looking for a bounce back performance by Rodgers and company I'm looking at Marquez Valdez-Scanley, and the reason why is because week one, he was tied for the team high in targets with Devontae Adams. Now, I know that Scantling isn't really a guy who's going to get you many receptions. He's the kind of guy who can go over the top three receptions for 100-something yards and a touchdown, but we saw how bad Detroit's defense was, especially on deep passing plays after Debo Samuel ran about 80 yards on a touchdown play. Akuda's <laughs> also going to be out for the year, which hurts. And I think Valdez Scantling on some play action attempts, you know, Rodgers always torches this team. It's awful loss. It's in a dome. Detroit's going to give up a bunch of points. I think Valdez Scantling finds at least one play behind the defense. I think he'll catch a touchdown. He's my pick for the sleeper in this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trusting anybody in that uh, Detroit wide receiver core. So I'm going back over to the wide receiver core for the uh, Packers. And I'm going to say Alan Lazard because at this point, is still the number two receiver for an Aaron Rodgers offense. And as we've seen through years past, we have no idea who that's going to be from week in, week out. We have no idea who the number two receiver is going to be. One week is going to be Scantling. One week is going to be Lazard. So 
I'll hang my hat on Lazard this week, and hopefully um, he uses leverages that relationship that he has with Aaron Rodgers and able to make a couple plays back there. And, you know, the same, all the same for the breakdown of Valdez Scantling. These guys are very similar, and they can take the top off of defense and play uh, really well. So it's really who's going to get in the end zone. Yeah, that's why I'm going with Scantling. You can make an argument both are going to score. But either way, that's actually the entire card. We do more games, but unfortunately, we don't have any more to do. So <laughs> that's been this installment of the Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Before we officially wrap up, though, Terrell, let the people know what you're working on. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at really real underscore underscore. You know, I'm always writing content. I am taking a short break right now as I'm getting ready to, and I haven't really told too I haven't come out publicly and said this, but um, for people that do know, I am in the military. I serve in the Air Force, and I'm getting ready to deploy, guys. So I'm setting up for a deployment right now, uh, taking me away from things for a little bit. I'm still getting in and getting my pockets, and as you can see, but I am taking a short break from the writing just to get everything together. And then once I get settled, I'm back at it and we're rolling. We're going to get through college football, get through college basketball. NBA is coming up as well. I'm looking forward to doing everything for Sports Gaming Podcast Network. So, hey, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. I'm not going anywhere. Yep, appreciate you taking the time to join me. You can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. I'm doing a lot of editing, doing some podcast stuff too, so stay tuned for that. Other than that, though, that has been this edition of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Bye, everyone. <laughs>